Welcome to the University of Wyoming Today. On this program, you'll hear about what's making the news and about the people and events at UW. You'll also learn about some of the leading research that's taking place at one of the region's top universities. And now, here's today's edition of the University of Wyoming Today. Hi, Jim Kearns with you. Today, a couple of distinguished professors will be discussing some recent legal and international developments involving climate change. And we'll be hearing about a regional engineering society meeting that's scheduled on campus. But first, a little bit of history. For more than a century, the world looked to Wyoming as a leader in wool science and clean wool production. University of Wyoming Agricultural Research Librarian Dave Kruger traces that legacy to the contributions of a 1907 UW graduate named John Hill. He just had a bachelor's degree, but he had a passion for improving the quality of wool throughout the state. He was not a Wyoming native. He was from Ohio originally, but his uncle had a sheep ranch just outside of Lovell, and John Hill had worked at that ranch. And he was amazed at the disparity in quality between Ohio wool and Wyoming wool, which he thought Wyoming wool would be superior. So he put it upon himself as a student that he, his, his mission was to improve the quality of Wyoming wool. And that's really how this all got started. And agricultural historian Dave Kruger says Hill was offered a professorship at UW after receiving his bachelor's degree. And his first challenge that he saw was understanding the scouring process and improving it. And that was a problem with Wyoming wool producers because they were getting docked for dirty fleece and, and things of that nature. So he wanted to do that and then he felt that if he could master that, then he could also start looking at improving wool fiber, which was another pressing issue. So with the laboratory started really in 1907 at the, the advent of the wool department, that's what he began to do. And uh, this process really, he was actively involved with this for 43 years from 1907 until his death just after 1950. That lab that he established really, I think, had worldwide significance. What he was looking at was every factor possible that could improve wool fiber. So by studying fiber, Yes, he was studying that on a microscopic level, but on a, on a macro level, he was interested in the factors that influenced that. You know, the breeds of sheep that were being used in Wyoming, the type of feed. Agricultural librarian Dave Kruger says Hill's legacy in the wool industry continues to this day. These guys were really ahead of their time because when we think about what they were doing and organizing their research and the information that they acquired, it was a pre-digital world. So how do you organize that so that it's easy to find that? That was something that they were thinking about way ahead of time. So every research project that they did, every article they ever came across, every book they ever came across, they would catalog that as a librarian would. And they had their own wooden cabinet that had every piece, even correspondence with other wool producers or experts from around the world. Those letters would be cataloged in this collection. And we still have that collection at the University of Wyoming. So the next time you see a flock of sheep grazing in a high mountain meadow, remember that for more than a century, the world's finest fleeces were produced in Wyoming. 
listening to the University of Wyoming Today. I'm Jim Kearns. What should we make of the United States Supreme Court's recent decision to await a circuit court decision and effectively delay the enforcement of President Obama's Clean Power Plan? That's the one that would limit carbon emissions from existing power plants. And some are calling this decision a huge blow to the recent Paris climate talks and the efforts to fight global warming. University of Wyoming Distinguished Professor of Law Sam Kalin is co-director of the Center for Law and Energy Resources in the Rockies. He's cautioning not to read too much into the court's decision at this stage in the legal process. If we take a look at when the clean power plan was really going to start to, uh, in effect, reduce emissions, it's many years out from now. And what the Obama administration did in terms of its submission in Paris was a combination of, of, of programs that the uh, administration has been implementing. Those programs include things like the original phase one um, corporate average fuel economy standards that uh, dramatically reduced miles per gallon. You also have the administration's efforts to deal with efficiency standards. And so there's a number of other types of programs and uh, tools the administration has been using to look at reducing greenhouse gas emissions, including reducing greenhouse gas emissions even before the clean power plan would become effective. So I think it's a little bit extreme now to suggest that something about what the court just did on just a stay really does affect ultimately what might happen in Paris. So hang in there, and we'll see how the circuit court rules on this issue when it meets in June. A little bit more about climate change. A University of Wyoming economist says the federal government has a duty to inform Americans about the reductions in domestic climate damages that may result from federal regulation. Jay Shogren is the Strook Professor of Natural Resource Conservation and Management in the College of Business. He says the current approach of reporting only the global benefits neglects that duty. We still have a world with borders. We still have the U.S. as a separate entity operating on, under its own constitution. And so to understand the impacts of both climate change itself and the impacts of climate change policy, we have to understand what it means for U.S. citizens as well as what it means for the rest of the globe. And policymakers at that point can make their own trade-offs, but we think that it's important that they have more information, not less, especially since the cost to the U.S. in terms of climate change are relatively lower next to the rest of the world because most of our economy does not depend directly on climate, whereas many other economies do. Professor Jay Shogren says using the global value rather than the U.S. value of carbon reductions implies more regulations aimed toward coal and other fossil fuels that drive Wyoming's economy. The top engineering students from six states will be meeting at the University of Wyoming later this month for the district meeting of the Engineering Honor Society Tau Beta Pi. Electrical engineering doctoral student 
Dakota Roberson of Rock Springs, heads the committee that is organizing this event. He says the delegates will be getting a first-hand look at what Wyoming has to offer. Show them the new building, show them you know, all the work that we're putting in to make the university uh, you know, that, that top quality. And uh, so that's, that's one really big advantage for, for um, the University of Wyoming. And the students get a lot out of it too. The, the students get to uh, kind of participate in these leadership activities that, that help them kind of learn what qualities make a good leader. And that's kind of the focus of Tau Beta Pi, in, especially in this case, because what each of those states, when they delegate their, their representatives, they're looking for leaders in those delegates, and they're also looking for people who will be uh, active in their club in the future and other clubs in the future. And so they come here, they'll get, you know, when they leave, they should have, have kind of developed some more leadership skills that help with, with engineering-related organizations, but also with uh, non-engineering-related organizations. So it's really, I think it's really beneficial for students who attend. That sounds like a great opportunity, Dakota. Tau Beta Pi is the nation's second oldest honor society, and it's the only one representing the entire engineering profession. And finally, Wyoming had a school record 60 student athletes earn academic All-Mountain West honors for the 2015 fall semester. That's the most UW student athletes to earn academic recognition in a fall semester since UW joined the Mountain West in 1999. I'm Jim Kearns, and that's it for my time. Thanks for yours. That's it for this time. Join us again for the next edition of the University of Wyoming Today. 